The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's uh, nine minutes after eight. Well, if I mention the name Nogutela Dube, would you know who I was referring to? Her husband, on the other hand, uh, John Langalalibe. Her husband, on the other hand, John Langalibalele Dube, uh, who is the founding president of the African National Congress, is quite well known and even celebrated for his role in the country's liberation struggle. But uh, they were what you could refer to today as the power couple of the 1890s. They were both educated. They moved to the United States where they were inspired by the work of black American educator Booker T. Washington. And Washington, of course, preached self-reliance. And he argued that black people had to make economic progress before they could make political progress. They then returned to Inanda in Natal and became the first black South Africans to to start a school in the 1900s called Othlange Institute. But it would seem as though the role that Nogutela and Dima Dube, uh, she basically was ignored in the telling of the story of the Uthanga Institute, uh, the Inanda Seminary, the Ilangalase Natal newspaper, and uh, the African National Congress. I mean, what sort of role did she play? Uh, the cultural practices, uh, Zulu choral music, the valuation of the education and empowerment of women at that stage. And um, it is really sad, you know, when you read that upon her death at the age of 44 in 1917, Nogutela, uh, who was then the estranged wife of the first ANC uh, founder, John Dube, was interred without individual markings on her grave. And uh, this brings in uh, Professor uh, Sharif Keita, because he began investigating uh, the story of Nogutela Dube, as uh, he uh, is going to tell us later on. But uh, joining us uh, for the discussion uh, this morning as well is Omar Bacha, uh, who is the CEO and founder of the South African History Online. And uh, he will also weigh in uh, along with uh, Professor Sharif Keita uh, as soon as we are able to establish contact with him in Minnesota in the United States. Umar Bacha, let me welcome you in the meantime. Thanks for speaking to us this morning. Thank you very much, Sikinda. And uh, it's very nice to be here, but a bit embarrassing because I think you've got two men on your panel on women this morning. Well, we we, we uh, will take that because we want, you know, to elevate the story and tell the stories of women, especially during our liberation struggle. And these almost seem to be overlooked for the most part. Would you concur with that sentiment, though? Yes, you know, absolutely. But I think it's not just women, uh, but uh, generally our our remembering history, rewriting history is, is at a very bad I mean, it's, it's in, in the emergency room, let me put it that way. But in particular women, because because of the historical uh, legacy of patriarchy, uh, women seem to disappear, and uh, Mrs. Dubez's uh, study uh, on her life just underlines that problem in, in, a, in a way that uh, is quite tragic. Uh, but hopefully, with this new book and poem, things people will begin to re-examine women and their role in 
South African history and in South African liberation struggle in particular. And, uh, you know, we as SAFM are obviously hoping to contribute towards that as well. Uh, Professor Keita also joins us now. Um, Professor Sharif Keita is the director of the African Studies Program at Carlton College in uh, Northfield, Minnesota in the United States. Thanks for speaking to us this morning, Prof. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Prof, uh, if you could just talk us through, you know, um, uh, what uh, led you to do the investigation into one of the forgotten heroines of the South African liberation story. Yes, it's a long story. In fact, it started uh, 15 years ago. It didn't start with the Nukutela. It started first with John Dube, whom I knew nothing about. When I traveled to South Africa in 1999 with 17 students, to study issues of identity in South Africa, basically to hear apartheid stories, also to hear post-apartheid stories from various segments of uh, South African society, uh, various identities who, which had uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, united to fight against apartheid, but that were we're deploying themselves on the landscape of democratic South Africa. So we traveled for a month. Uh, from Cape Town to uh, Gauteng, uh, just, uh, you know, visiting places and listening to people. At that point, I did not know anything about John Dube. So it was a total surprise to me to find out that the founder of the ANC was someone who has studied in the United States and a person about whom I knew nothing. So I said, well, I should uh, educate myself. So my curiosity about John Dube is, was really my initial uh, starting point, and that was 15 years ago. Because I realized also that John Dube's story was little known at that time. In fact, when I first started the project, I contacted Madiba, whom I, about whom I knew that he had had this public uh, recognition of, uh, of John Dube during the 1994 elections. So I saw that. Madiba knew a lot about John Dube, and he had agreed to uh, an interview with me, a film interview, but when I sent him the questions, he had his office call me back to say that he himself knew very little about John Dube, that he wishes me good luck, but he could not do much for me. This is how I started. So one thing led to another, so I completed a film on John Dube. In 2005, the title of it is Oberlin Inanda, The Life and Times of John L. Dube. Oberlin because John Dube studied, he did his high school secondary education in a small town in Ohio called Oberlin. And then he went on for two years to study at the college. So Inanda is the place where he was born. So it was, uh, for me, a way to bridge that, uh, those two pieces of his life the life in South Africa and the life in America, which people didn't seem to know much about the other place from one place. The South Africans didn't know much about John Dewey's life in the U.S., and the Americans didn't know much about his life in South Africa. So I tried to bridge that. So that's what the first film. The second film was finished in 2009. The title of it was Cemetery Stories, A Rebel Missionary in South Africa. Why a rebel missionary in South Africa? It's the story of the missionary, the white missionaries, 
who brought John Dube as a 16-year-old boy to the United States. These were um, uh, missionaries of the American Zulu Mission. And I found out that Mrs. Wilcox, that's the name of, uh, you know, uh, of the lady, uh, Mr. Wilcox, Reverend Wilcox, Mrs. Wilcox was from my town here in Minnesota, in Northfield. So that uh, surprise discovery that this small town in Minnesota played a big role in what John Dube will become later. Because this is the couple that took John Dube as, you know, and brought him to Ohio to open the doors of American education for him. They were exceptional missionaries in the sense that they were, they did not follow the orthodoxy of the mission rules, which uh, tended to, 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 to accept, to a certain extent, the codes, the racial codes in South Africa. Uh, even on the mission station, there was some racism. There was a segregation to a certain extent. But this couple, the Wilcoxes, did not want to settle for that. And that's why for 38 years, they worked to open the doors of education to John Dube and to other young South Africans, black South Africans, but also they fought the Native Land Act. Up until 1918, they fought the Native Land Act and were driven out of South Africa in 1918 without a dime. They had lost everything, and they died like paupers in the U.S. So the second film was about a tribute to them. So the third, so when I finished, when I completed that, I realized that one person was missing in this whole picture. I knew John Dewey had had a, a first wife, and this first wife played a big role in his life and in his, in his legacy, in building the legacy. But his name seemed to be nowhere. So I said, well, I know that this woman has done so much. Therefore, I can't stop here. If I stop, I don't do a thing on her then I would have been uh, an accomplice to silencing the history of this woman. That's when I earnestly began to look for her and realized that in living memory, nobody knew where she was buried. And I had found information a few years earlier about where she was buried, which is the Brixham Cemetery. So that's how I got you know, actively to work on the on Nukutela story. So does that give you a good background? Or? It does. It does. But, you know, it, it, it raises more questions about, you know, uh, the intricacy of the story and how you actually then uh, went about, um, you know, discovering what her part was in this. Did you speak it, to relatives? I mean, how did you go about it? No, through, through, through documents, through documents. And in fact, uh, through archives. <clears throat> Because uh, I consulted archives in the U.S. here of their travels. For instance, I know that between 1896 and 1899, 1896 was uh, when John and Nukutela, as a married couple, came together. He had already had a stint in the U.S., you know, while he was finishing his high school and also started his college degree. But when he took a break to go back to South Africa, in 1894, he married his uh, mission... Uh, sweetheart, Nukutila Mdima, 
1894, and then they started, in fact, to work on some projects of building schools in Natal, but they stopped to come to get more education together as a couple. So between 1896 and 1899, as they were studying, they started to raise funds. So John Dube, they would travel from, you know, uh, uh, mostly in the East Coast, and also they came some, uh, uh, somehow towards the, the Midwest too, they would speak to churches, John Dube would speak, and Nukutela would sing click songs. She was the first Zulu woman to tour, in a sense, to tour the U.S., singing click songs and speaking, you know, about the needs of her people for education and enlightenment. So this is how they were able to raise the initial funds for the projects that they got off the ground in 1900. When they returned in South Africa in 1899, they were able to get the school off the ground with money that they had raised. So Nukutela's role was so important. I mean, she was the voice, you know. She was the, the, the one who could give this voice to, uh, to, 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 the, to, to the needs of the people in South Africa. And she had a beautiful voice. And in fact, to go back again to something very eerie, which is the role played by the town where I live here in Minnesota, which is called Northfield. Mrs. Wilcox, I'll go back to that missionary woman again, was a teacher of Nukutela at Inanda Seminary in the 1880s, because they arrived in South Africa in 1881. So Nukutela was one of her young students. In 1882, she sent a school essay, a short school essay, written by Nukutela, to her mother here in Minnesota, along with a letter. And this letter was intended to show how dedicated the Zulu girls were to learning English and how, how fast they were making progress. So this school essay was published in my town here in 1882. So in a sense, this makes Nukutela one of the first black voices to be heard on this side of the Atlantic in 1882. And the title of that essay was My Home. She was describing her people and their habits, their way of life. And strangely enough, that short essay ends with this line. People who do not have children suffer a lot. She was talking about the plight of people who did not have kids. Well, this morning we're telling the story of Nogutela Dube, who was uh, the first wife of the founding president of the African National Congress, John Dube. And uh, with us this morning, um, as Karabo, you asked um, our guest, uh, just to remind you, our Professor Sharif Keita, Director of the American Studies Program at the Carlton College in Northfield, Minnesota, and also uh, Umar Bacha, who is the CEO and founder of South African History Online. So I interrupted unceremoniously there uh, to go to that uh, spot break uh, prof uh, when you were talking about no the problem. last line um, you know in uh, yes. that uh, book that she wrote and 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 speaking about uh, in, in, the, in that the short short essay in the in short, short essay. essay and 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 short it spoke essay, about the fact that she had no children well that no the people who did not have children in their country mm-hmm. she was 11 years old she wrote this essay when she was 11 years old oh only 11 that's why right. it was a school essay, uh, which she wrote and which Mrs. Wilcox took and sent to her mother in the United States, in my town here. 
and it was published in 1882. So this essay uh, had almost like a premonition. She expressed a premonition for what is going to become a fate because she never had a child. After 20 years of marriage with John Doobie, she never had a child. As they were building all these things, as they were creating all these institutions that were a major milestone in the development of the people, in the upliftment of the people, in their own private life, they had this tragedy. They could not have a child. Mm. And as you say, you know, almost a premonition of sorts there. But, you know, also, you know, her contribution yes. uh, towards these yes. various institutions like the yes. Otlange Institute, which is legendary in South Africa, as well as the Inanda Seminary. You know, her contribution yes. to all of these is, is also, you know, little known. That's why it's very little known, you see. In fact, people don't know. I mean, that, uh, you know, Otlange... Uh, was built by John and Nukutela in equal partnership, you see. So, so uh, today it's, it's known as his legacy, okay. But again, people do not know that he was helped along the way by Nukutela's talent as a singer, as somebody who could sing and touch uh, American audiences and encourage them to give to the cause of the enlightenment of black people in South Africa. So, and she, after the school was created, she was the one instrumental in popularizing the song that will become the national anthem of South Africa. Of course, it's Sikirele Africa, composed by Enoch Santonga, mm. who was a very uh, reserved man. He was, uh, uh, you know, very unconspicuous in his way. So, so uh, if the song had remained in his hand, it probably would not have gone very far. But because John and Nukutela, when they created the school, which needed funding all the time, they always needed funding. The school was not supported by the, by the government of Natal. So it was self, it was totally independent. So they needed to constantly raise funds. So for that purpose, they founded a, a choir. And this choir took, they borrowed the song, because Sikilela Africa, the first uh, few verses, and the, and the music, and they added words. In fact, the title, when they sang it for years, touring the South Africa, was Prayer for the Children at Otlangi. Prayer for the Children at Otlangi. That was the title. You see? So, and that's how people got to know the song. It was associated with Otlangi first, with John and Nukutela's mission of bringing enlightenment to the people. And it's when he became president of the, is the South African Native National Congress, which he co-founded with Pixley Seme, who was also a U.S. educated young, youngster from Inanda. Okay? So it, then uh, the song became known as the uh, anthem of the black struggle. Thanks for staying with us on the Forum at 8 this morning and just uh, looking at some of your messages coming through as we are telling the story of Nogutela Ndima Dube. Uh, some of your comments here, Batabile Kambule says, thank you for this morning's discussion. I was completely unaware of the significant role that Mrs. Dube played. It must be celebrated. Nkosazana uh, for president says, I'm so emotional just by listening to this gentleman talking about Mama Nogutela Dube. Thank you very much for this. Mfana Boem 
Mabi says, deep history right there. Warren Manning says, wow, what a story. Uh, Bongoletu, a fascinating history on Mrs. Dube. Very rich and enlightening subject matter. Uh, Chiremo Elia says, there are people who should be celebrated. And these are the people who should be celebrated, Sakina. Uh, whilst we are busy celebrating the likes of Declare, forgetting who our true heroines are. All the way to Sipuga says, uh, Nogtula Dube was committed to the African Renaissance. She wanted Africa as a peer to other continents. And Kululego Somatlo says, great show on the Dubes. Thank you for another conscious, biting history story there for us. And uh, just getting back uh, to the story, I promise I'm tr- going to try not to interrupt uh, for a little while whilst you continue telling the story, Prof. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, again, you see, Nukutela uh, was such a committed person to the uh, public, to the community welfare. In fact, this was a woman who did not want to... To, to, to bring attention to herself. In fact, she, several times in the U.S. press, they tried to get her to talk about herself. But she would tell people, no, I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm here to talk about the needs of my people back home. And I want, I want to get the means to do something for them. And there is an interesting uh, incident that happened with the Nukutela and the American press. She was such a brave woman. The American press uh, reported... Uh, uh, sometime in 1880, 1898, had a meeting, had an encounter with Nukotela. Uh, the image in those days was to present uh, an African black person as a savage. So the press was uh, literally making fun of her, uh, was beginning to make fun of her. Nukotela told those gentlemen, please, put some chairs and sit. I'm going to tell you why I'm here. I am not here uh, because I am enamored with your civilization. It's not something I, I'm enamored with. I'm here to get the means to help my people. And after chatting with the journalists, they were so impressed that at the end, this is what they say about Nukutela. They say, Nukutela is young with blazing black eyes, smooth brown skin, and handsome regular features. She speaks good English with a deliberation that is charming and in the softest voice in the world, her manner is grace itself. So this is, at the end of the conversation with the American press, this was the conclusion. That Nukotela, Nukotela's manner is grace itself. And this is the epitaph, this is the, 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 the sentence I chose to put on the headstone we raised for her on August 31st, 2013, with the help of uh, the government of uh, provincial government of KZN uh, with the help of the Gandhi Foundation, the Gandhi Development Trust, we and the families and friends, we raised a headstone for her on an unmarked grave. A grave had remained unmarked for almost 95 years. This woman who had done so much for her people, when she died in 1917, when she died, she was 44 years old. She was buried at the Brixton Cemetery with only a little, a small little plaque, which did not even have a name. It was, it had these, these marks, CK2973. CK stands for Christian and the K word. This is what was identifying Nukutela after all she did. And that small plaque also disappeared. So by the time we started research for Nukutela's grave, in living memory, nobody has seen a grave. 
it was total, it was like a, a lawn, I mean, in a, like bush. So it took us, uh, with the help of uh, the dedicated uh, 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 researchers at the Department of Parks and Cemeteries of Johannesburg, uh, uh, I'll take my hats off for them, we, it took us a, one, a year and a half to be able to pinpoint exactly a location. And then when we did that, mm-hmm. yes. The question yes. is, and you know. And then when we did that, mm-hmm. I brought the family together from KZN and from uh, the people who lived, the, the branch of the family that lived in, in, in Joburg. I brought everybody together to show them where Nukotela was resting. And then a year later, we were able to mobilize the resources to raise a big headstone uh, with the department, as I say, of arts and culture of KZN and, uh, you know, all the support we got. So now... This is one of the be- most beautiful headstones you can find at the Bristol Cemetery. So please, I encourage the people to go visit. Go visit Mama Nukotela Dobe. You will be impressed with the headstone uh, that uh, carries, for the first time, a name on a grave, almost a century after her death. So this and, is, uh, and that's at the Brixton uh, at the Brixton Cemetery. But but, but Brixton how Cemetery does, in Dubra. Yes. How does someone yes. like Nogutela Dube, you know, yes. Um, yes. F- uh, you know, how does her story end in an unmarked grave uh, when her husband right. enjoys such, you know, a place of prominence <laughs> in our history? Yes. Yes. You see, this is the thing. You know, uh, in 1914, uh, after 20 years of marriage. Uh, this was not very pretty. I mean, I think John uh, did some things on the side. And uh, a child was born of that uh, affair. Uh, the child didn't live long, so that helped to kind of uh, quell the story, the scandal. But in any case, Nukutela felt betrayed. Nukutela felt betrayed by her husband. And she decided to leave. She decided to leave in under. She decided to leave everything she had built. And she also decided to move away from her own family because uh, I've discovered also that Nukutela had another sister whose name was Mantombi Pele, uh, who was the wife of a prominent uh, Inanda uh, 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 leader, Elka Pele, who did not have a child either. So for her own family, uh, it was almost like a curse. People felt in the family almost like a curse. So, so I could understand that the people sided with John in spite of the ugliness of what he did. It was not uh, from a Christian point of view <laughs> the, 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 the right type of conduct. I mean, you know, people probably had sympathy for John who did not have a, a progeny. So Nukutela felt betrayed, let down by community, by her own community. So she left and she went to the East Transvaal, to a place close to Vakestrom, and lived in a small uh, on a farm there, and spent the last three years of her life going from farm to farm, uh, at, uh, preaching the gospel, and helping other blacks who, who she felt needed the most help living in the Transvaal, uh, as conservative and as oppressive as that area was. She felt that this is where her own people needed help. So she spent the last three years of her, health, of her life helping those people. So when she fell sick, they were, she was still married to John. They were simply separated. So when John heard that his wife was sick, they had a house in Johannesburg, in Sophia Town, because they had a lot of business 
in Johannesburg. So they bought a house there. So John managed to bring Nukutela to Johannesburg, to Sophia Town. And the woman who took care of Nukutela also became a legend. Her name was Victoria Mangena. Victoria Mangena was the wife of Alfred Mangena, the lawyer. She was the first uh, black woman to qualify as a nurse in, in the rent. She is the one who took care of Nukutela. But by then, her condition had been so bad that she did not leave. So she died. Uh, uh, one day later, she was buried in January uh, uh, 1917. And then that's the year also when John Dube lost, lost his bid for a second term to be president of the ANC. So other things started falling apart for John Dube too. I'm sure the scandal had something to do with it and other things too. So John Dube then, when he lost the presidency, he couldn't get a second term, then he kind of reverted back to Durban, to Inanda, to concentrate on his educational work. So in a sense, by moving back to, by, 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 by uh, moving back to his uh, educational work in, in, in Atoflange, Nukutela was left back in Johannesburg. Literally, the, the page was turned on her. And it's three years later, or, yeah, about three years later, that John remarries, and all the descendants came from the second wife, whose name was uh, uh, Angeline uh, Kumalo from Ladysmith. So she is the one who uh, gives the descendants. So that's how, in a sense, it was in everybody's interest to really probably turn the page on Nukutela. Unfortunately, in spite of all the, uh, the uh, spiritual uh, descendants, the spiritual uh, descendants she had uh, you know, given to the world, physically she could not procreate. But that was no consolation for her uh, when she felt betrayed like this. So it's again, I mean, Africa at the time, well, a woman, uh, if she could not have a child, it didn't matter uh, what else she did. I mean, you wouldn't count for much, unfortunately, and even maybe today. This may be the sad situation still. So that's how Nukutela was, uh, was forgotten, you see. And uh, as I said, uh, maybe generations knew about where she rested, but as the, the old people were dying, people who knew where Nukutela was had completely gone. So by the time uh, I started digging for things, uh, in living memory, I mean, in the Dube family, they didn't know where Nukutela was. So I had to find, you know, Nukutela's, you know, grave uh, based on the information I found in uh, Ilanga Lassi Natal, which was uh, the newspaper that John and Nukutela founded in 1903. It's not mm. an English Zulu newspaper. So if in, in there, I picked up an article in Zulu, because by then I had uh, gone through so much of Zulu that I could recognize things. It said, U Nukutela Dube Kaseko. I said, this is Nukutela's obituary. And I dug into it, they say, Bristol Cemetery. So that's how, you know, I, uh, I got this lead. And then I started looking for a descendant, uh, for a family, for a family through her siblings, you know, in Inanda. So uh, I, I found them and came with the news to them that I had found, that we had found a grave. They could not believe it. They said, we've been sitting, you know, for, for, for decades, we've been talking about this uh, long-lost ancestor of ours, and we did not know what to do.
So, and you are bringing this news to us. I mean, it was a celebration. Both, you know, it was a very moving moment, a lot of tears, but also uh, uh, a lot of joy. Well, Umar Kacha, um, uh, from your side, you know, as the uh, CEO and founder of South African History Online, uh, many of our listeners this morning, you know, are worried about the fact that, again, uh, perhaps we are not recording our history and telling the stories um, in the manner in which we should. And many of them expressing their gratitude that uh, Professor Sharif Keita actually did this story. Yes, uh, good morning, Professor. And it's a fascinating yes. story. Mr. Baxter, so, how are yes. you? Very well, thank you. It's a fascinating Wonderful. story, and, and I'm very familiar with it. But, uh, yeah, we, we have a problem. I wrote, we, I, wrote this, I wrote the biography for you. I wrote the biography that you published. Yes. Uh, yes, and thank you very much for that. Yes, uh, Professor the, po- the point about our history and, and remembering, you know, if you take Nangatula right across the road from her uh, is, is Mrs. Gandhi, um, uh, who's, who's uh, Gandhi's uh, grand, I'm say, daughter-in-law, you know, and her story is forgotten. Uh, and she played such an important role in the history of this country. They, you know, you should look. We, we go back to Josie Palmer, one of the first women to join the Communist Party, and, 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 and she was the wife of Edwin Lakutsiana. And nobody knows anything about her other than a few lines on our website and, 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 and in one or two history books. But a lot of this work, actually, has been done by people from outside our country, mm. by historians elsewhere. And, and and while we really applaud that, you know, it, it, it reflects very badly on our own abilities to write our own stories and to tell our own stories. We at SA History have been, you know, we've got one of the largest biography projects in the country on our website. Yes, you are doing like a great job. You are doing a great job. 7,000 biographies, but that is yeah. touching on the surface of things, you know, when they there are hundreds of other people. You know, yes. when you look at what's happening, you walk into any bookshop in this country, and if you find more than five books written by black South Africans on, on their lives, you are, you're going to be very lucky. Um, they are a crop of young writers, but many of them are fiction writers. Our yes. history uh, and, and, and time taken to write and research is actually mm-hmm. uh, in a crisis uh, level in our country. I want us at some point to basically look into that and, 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 and possibly come up with solutions about how to remedy that situation. But 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 uh, let's please take some calls. 891 Begani in Centurion, good morning. Bega? Bega in Centurion? Uh, beggar, not there. Let's go to Desmond Makanya in Adams College. Good morning. Uh, good morning, good morning, Sakina. Sakina, I wouldn't say how are you. Uh, 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 professor, how are you? I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone. Professor, are you back? No, I am, I am, I'm, in, I'm in the U.S., but I'm on my way to South Africa in September, early September. Okay, 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 you'll catch me. 
Okay, uh, Sakina, we have done a wonderful job for the Women's Month, as you have, you have brought this man, a very important man, who has done a lot of, a lot of work for the Oshlange and Dr. Dube, especially Nocturna, a, 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 a selfless woman, who has done a lot for Oshlange. When they talk about fundraising, uh, because I have extended the whole thing uh, to my son now, uh, as you know that uh, Ebenezer Hall out there in Johannesburg was, was the seat of Oshange fire when they are fundraising in Johannesburg during those times of the 20s, 1920s. So that's why we've got uh, Nocturna, we've got uh, the Dima House out there at Oshange, because my father did uh, printing with Mdima, Minot Mdima. You might know about Minot Mdima, who is related to that lady, Mdima. So Minot Mdima was also a printer, worked with my father at Adams College. So they were fundraising even deep into Lesotho um, with the choir there, with the band. Especially, we cannot forget music. Mr. Cardoza, who ended up being Dr. Cardoza, who was a composer, com- composer, conductor mm. of the Oshange Choir. As you know, you know more, uh, Professor, that uh, uh, Oshange was uh, the Tuskegee of Africa, as Dr. Dube with Noctella proposed uh, those days, as they brought in uh, all the skills as, as you know, carpentry, shoemaking, tailoring, all uh, you name it. And so, so our our African Congress has got a lot of work to do to facelift Oshange to be the this the skills college of Africa. Thank you so much uh, there at Desmond and Adams uh, College. And um, you know, the, just, you know, some of the other uh, contributions coming through this morning. Um, um, Duduzi says, uh, you know, thanks for the story. Batabile says, uh, Nogutela Dube's story will inspire a lot of township girls to value themselves and see their potential. Uh, it is definitely a must-share story. Uh, awesome Dad, Lucky Given says, my uncle from my father's side uh, played a huge role in this democracy but when he died only one mk was present at his funeral again lamenting the plight of you know the stories that are not told and i think it's it's, it's not a matter of looking at uh, you know a certain group of people to tell these stories because each and every one of us can tell a story a research a story and you know tell it as we know it and then uh, tumela and dubane says this guy um, uh, the professor has researched the history of mrs dube i never knew anything about her and I had even forgotten about John Dube. Um, uh, Brian uh, Kumala got your message as well, saying that um, shouldn't this story be told by the likes of Paolo Jordan and others? What a fascinating story it is. Um, Francis Idris says, I had to Google the name Nogutela Dube, and wow, what a history. I love this informative program. Thanks to you and the guest. Uh, Makema says he's touched, and um, uh, Mag's fascinating, and so it goes. 
news. You know, uh, Tulu says, what a shame, our great history um, uh, not told by one of our own. And I think Omar Bacha touched on that. But Mags then also goes on to say um, that, you know, uh, there's tremendous benefit um, from uh, constructive international participation in our rich history. Let's just take this call from Bonginkosi in Durban. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Hi. Hey, thank you. Thank you for a nice program. You're welcome. Yeah, I also appreciate this Professor K, uh, Sheriff Keita to, to tell us about the history of Otlange. I also went to Otlange in 1964 and 65. I did, I, did, I did my matric to Otlange. So what he's telling, me, telling us it's reminding me of Osange, because we used to do we used to do a lot of things. For we were told about Mafugusela with John Dangabel Dube, and the school That's national right. and the history of Osange was being told to us in such a way that during the school holidays, September to October, mm-hmm. ten days, mm-hmm. they used to, we used to hold the whole week, which which used to be called Mafugusela week, That's and, right. and and that week, each and every day. There was an activity taking place. The boxing, music, athletics, debates, whatever was taking place. And I remember I used to be in the debate, in the debate group, where, where I was representing Mafugu Zeda while he was in the United States. He was, he was discussing with his fellow students there, and he did mention that he wanted to go back to Africa to uplift his own people. Mm-hmm. And, and that school of Osage, even today, I don't forget it because it's my history in such a way that after passing my metric, I did my studies in medical, well, I in medical technologies, then mm-hmm. privately I had to do also politics. I've got some politics qualifications through UNISA. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you so much, Bonginkosi. Jabulani in Cape Town, very briefly, good morning. Good morning, ma'am. I'm so happy that the professor has come out and uh, told us the story of, uh, of Mamna Gutella. I am uh, working around these areas, and I'll, I'll look at this as an encouragement for other families who were Dubai's uh, contemporaries. I'd like the stories are around Babu Skwele Tinyongwane, Klaas Goba, John Mdimba, Kande, Mdima, Kandenyana, Mapelupelu, the Trelez. If all those families could group together and tell the story of a community of progressive people within Inanda, and not single, just one. Thank you so much, uh, Jabulani. And, of course, we're running out of time. Mameti says, thank you for the story. We'll certainly read up more online. Debza Ian Mashiko says, I'm so ashamed that I didn't know anything about Mrs. Dube, and it took a foreign professor to teach me my history. There's no shame in learning. Uh, it's never too late. You should always be open to the learning process. But, uh, Prof, you are coming to September, uh, to South Africa in September. And um, I actually uh, want to take this opportunity um, to maybe ambush you into promising uh, that along with SAFM, uh, we will actually uh, maybe do a screening of that movie that you did? Yeah, that would be fine, yes. Let's talk about it and let's uh, work on the logistics. Yes, I'd love to. Definitely. And also, I should point that SABC, the television uh, division, is uh, uh, we are working now on uh, the film being shown on SABC. I don't know exactly when. I'm hoping that it's going to be doing this uh, a Women's Month, that they will screen it nationally. 
So, but we are working on that. Absolutely fantastic. Omar Pacha, thank you so much for your contribution as well this morning. Thank Obri... you, Mr. Pacha. Thank you. You're doing a great thank job you. with the South African history online. Thank you very much, Prof. And uh, hopefully we will yes. meet when you get here. Obri Machitki, um, a political analyst, says that if it wasn't for Uslange, where his parents met, he wouldn't be here. And he says, while it's good to tell our stories, we must also accept that knowledge has no boundaries. Well, I can only say thank you to all of you for um, uh, joining me on this journey this morning, learning more about our history, our forgotten heroes, and mostly our forgotten heroines, because those are the stories that are often left untold. So we'll try and do more of these. It's not a Women's Month initiative. It's all about getting to know who we are and where we're headed.